Welcome back to another episode of the Equity Matters Podcast. This is your host, Addis JB3, and we are at episode 30, which is a, I don't even know how to describe it. I'm like, I'm just overjoyed that we have rolled this long and we still have things to talk about. I think even in coming up with Equity Matters way back when, I didn't know what the shelf life looked like or how long we were going to go, but we're here. We're still going and we've got more stories to tell. So shout out to all of you for rocking with us for 30 episodes. Now, I do want to give a good intro for the next speaker. And I think it's going to actually start off with a memory of mine. And I recall after I graduated with my master's, I would always go back to the School of Social Work and talk to students and just give them an opportunity to pick my brain for free. And it was always a treat when I would find another black social worker in the classroom. And so I remember distinctly one getting lost because they changed the room, but two arriving and seeing our speaker for today. And so Algeria Wilson was one of those curious persons who asked all the right questions. And you could tell even then that she was destined for success. And so to see the trajectory that she's had over the past few years, earning her master's, doing the work that she does now, some of the councils and committees that she's been a part of, and just the voice that she adds to social work. I am grateful to be in fellowship with Algeria and even more grateful that she's joined us on the podcast. And so thinking about the things that matter to me as a macro social worker, I realize that there's certain responsibilities that we have when it comes to policy, but there's also this greater conversation around, you need to know where I stand and you need to know what's acceptable and what's not in the space. And so being able to use policy as the tool for that, is a game changer. And so I'm really excited to introduce you all to Algeria Wilson. Algeria. Thank you for having me here on the Equity Matters podcast, especially during Social Work Month. Uh, My name is Algeria Wilson and I'm an MSW. I'm originally from uh, Cincinnati, but living now in Michigan and I'm currently the Director of Public Policy at the National Association of Social Workers, Michigan chapter. Uh, My background, at least educational background, is I have a BSW from the University of Cincinnati and my MSW from Michigan State University. Um, While at Michigan State University, I I majored in um, organizational and community leadership. So that's the policy track. Um, and while an undergrad, I had, um, majored in, you know, my bachelor's of social work, but minored in political science. So, uh, policy is my passion. And, uh, I imagine we'll get into a little bit of what I'm currently doing, uh, in this role at, at my capacity. So again, thanks for having me. Sure thing. So first thing, completely unrelated, mostly appropriate, um, Shout out to the macro social workers. Yes. Second, tangential, and because I'm a foodie, Cincinnati chili, is it worth the try? (laughs) 
It is absolutely worth the try. There's Skyline, uh, Skyline Chili, and then there's Gold Star. And depending on, you know, who you ask, one is better than the other. I personally like both. Gold Star has the best cheese, um, but Skyline is also very good. And every time I go home, I definitely make a stop for Skyline. Okay. But if you like pizza, go to La Rosa's. Will not fail. Will not fail. I never heard of Cincinnati style pizza, but I will add it to my list. Um, okay, good to know. So let's talk social work. Um, let's go back a little bit and kind of set the stage. What led you to the social work profession? Well, you know, um, I think there are many life circumstances that everyone has uh, that leads them to social work. I'm pretty open about mine. Um, so for me, uh, you know, my grandparents raised me and my mother, she continues to struggle with uh, her substance abuse disorder. And so I think given those circumstances and, um, you know, having a father that was incarcerated in and out of the um, penal system, I certainly feel like social work was just my calling. I just didn't know exactly what it was called until I met a mentor who believe it or not, worked in child protective services. Um, and he also did like a lot of other um, group work and things like that. And he was like, oh, you wanna, you wanna major in social work. You could shadow me. I was like, hmm. And so I learned about social work and um, also based on the things that I saw as I traveled, I knew it was for me. So I was very heavily involved in, in my church as a child and we used to travel, travel to different places. And everywhere I went, I would see the same things, right? Um, in Cincinnati, I would see homelessness. In Chicago, I would see homelessness. In St. Louis, I would see it. In Atlanta, I would see it. And so my perspective at a young age was broadened. Um, so I started traveling before I was even 11 years old, probably say around seven. And um, I'm like, there's a there's a problem here that's just beyond my backyard and it's the same thing everywhere I go and there's a particular population that I typically see uh, more often especially you know african-american black communities and so I knew just from a young age that social work was for me but specifically macro social work and trying to solve um, these larger systems issues so um, there are many social workers out there, you know, who don't necessarily know the path that they want to choose and, you know, end up in social work or come for other reasons. But I knew uh, this was what I wanted to do pretty young. That's very different than like <clears throat> my experience. So social work came much, much later for me. I was originally a psych major, wanted to be a clinical psychologist then didn't want to be a clinical psychologist and I had an internship that placed me in community. And I was like, oh, I love this. But it always seems that folks have that introduction to social work through child welfare. I feel like that's the gateway for most mm -hmm. of us. Um, I think, as you know, I started off in protective services, realized that wasn't for me, had to slide out. But I feel like so many people that I've talked to, especially social workers, when they talk about the way that it was introduced, it's typically through child welfare. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I think, you know, for social work, that is typically what people think when they hear social work. Um, so that's not surprising that many social workers interact or people who want to become social workers interact with that system before they make that decision. Um, so yeah, I, I think CPS and Child Protective Services is definitely, um, it can be difficult, it can be difficult, but we need social workers um, in some capacities in, in those roles for sure. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but after I finished child welfare training, there was like a, a high level state official there who said, congratulations, you're all social workers. And I was like fuming, like furious, like, no, that's not how this goes. Um, like I, I paid for this master's of social work to call me a social worker. Like sure, you're doing social work, but you're not a social worker. And that distinction, I don't think, mm -hmm. often gets captured. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would definitely love to hear more about, you know, the reason why you think that. But for, you know, for what we talk about here in ASW is, you know, social workers have the title protection. And so unless you're licensed, um, then you really can't call yourself a social worker, right? Just like <laughs> doctors, you have to take that education, go through those residency programs and, and then uh, become an official doctor. And so you can't call yourself a social worker technically if you are MSW. And I think especially probably when you are introduced in social work from you know various different roles that can be perceived, especially uh, for negative reasons, or there may be some uh, negative experiences that you have witnessed within these systems you may not want to call yourself a social worker, right? You may just go like, nope, I have that background. I have that education. I want to disassociate. Um, but there's there's more to that, right? <laughs> um, so I understand many, many viewpoints when it comes to, comes to that. So you've introduced, you know, NASW, right? That That's where you work. But tell us a little bit more about your role with NAS, NASW and really NASW's role for social workers. Yeah, so I'll start with NASW as a whole. So NASW is an association, the National Association of Social Workers. So they represent all of social workers, the field of social work. Um, and they're the largest association uh, representing social workers. So their role really is to advocate on behalf of social workers and clients um, to ensure that social workers are able to network and to have all the educational tools and knowledge that they need to be able to go out into the field and work with uh, what they you know, the vulnerable populations, marginalized populations, um, or, or popul populations in need of social work services. I, I try not to use like vulnerable or marginalized and things of that sort. Um, but that is really the role of social work or of the NASW uh, Association. And each state has a chapter. And some states have just executive directors and some states have executive directors and policy directors. And here in Michigan, um, we have an executive director and I'm the director of public policy. Um, and a majority of the states, which we call mega chapters have both of those. And to have mega chapters, you have to have, I believe, over like 5,000 
uh, members within your association. So Michigan is a mega chapter and we represent our membership, uh, but we also represent and, and lay out the code of ethics, right? For all social workers. So um, a lot of power uh, being a part of NASW and I never thought that I would be in this role. Um, but you asked me earlier about how did I come to social work? And when I was in social work uh, in my undergrad, we had to do like an assignment, social work 101. Interview somebody who you think's role you would wanna be in, right? And so I interviewed Ohio's executive director at NASW. And she talked about what she does on the policy forefront. I was like, that's amazing. And next thing you know, like I'm in this role in Michigan. Um, and so it was this full circle moment, but here in Michigan, I focus on everything. It is, it is very broad. So obviously policy advocacy, anything from legislative to regulatory to working with the executive branch, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services and um, you know, branches within the Department of Health and Human Services. Um, we focus on issues relating to private practice, telehealth right now, um, criminal justice system, aging adult populations, um, you name it, we focus on it. Children, um, you know, substance use disorder, all of those, those situations. And in my role, not only am I focusing on policy and policies around that, um, but I also focus on, you know, programs and trainings that can link and leverage and, and help change certain policies or the way in which uh, social workers interact with uh, specific populations. Um, and I'm also responsible for providing political training and advocacy training to incoming social workers and current social workers. Um, and I also, you know, am over our PAC, which helps elect social workers into legislative uh, leadership. So it's amazing. Like, I love it. It's broad. Um, and I couldn't imagine doing this type of work, social justice work, really anywhere else. Um, so it's, it's something I really do do love. In advocating on behalf of social workers, there's this idea that social work voices need to be heard, need to be included in the room. And I know recently you penned a, an op-ed that mm -hmm. I've got saved in like a few different places. What really drove you to, to composing on Black Death and, and calling mm -hmm. social workers to, to invite themselves, if not disrupt and find themselves in these spaces? Yeah, well, I think in that article, especially for um, Black Americans, there was nothing really new that I mentioned, right? It's like, hey, this is an issue. It's been an issue for so long. We are supposed to be, as a profession, leaders, right? Um, supposed to be advocating and, and focusing on tough stuff, right? And um, I continue to feel that this is a space that we need to do more in, just simple as that. Um, when you look at um, who provides services um, to 
especially African-American populations, Latinx, immigrant, native populations, um, a majority of the field, right, is white and are white women. And so in this moment of time, um, which I think has been so critical when we look at um, who's in office and the administration in office, um, the Trump administration and, and so much, um, you know, racism that has occurred um, within his, under his leadership and, you know, coupled with the pandemic and economic distress and then black death, right? Uh, and murders specifically under the hands of police. Now is the time like to understand that this is urgent. Like it's always been urgent, right? And I think it's, it's, it's definitely urgent for, um, you know, black social workers or, um, you know, Latinx social workers and, and things of that sort. But for those who, social workers who didn't really, that's not their space, right? Like they don't have those experiences and they, and they wanna be allies and should be allies or are allies. It's like, hey, wake up. Like these here are the issues and these are a few ways that you can take some steps to move forwards, but remember it's on you um, to actually engage in this. And this is why you should be engaged and alert and awake and, and focus right now. So it was perceived in many ways. Um, and yeah, it was perceived in many ways. <laughs> there were some who didn't agree, right? Um, and it was a really tough time into this new space, right? As, into this new role, but um, I'm not the type of person ever to not be a straight shooter, right? <laughs> so, and I get that from my dad. Like, he's like, you are a straight shooter. But, um, and you know, sometimes in, in these type of roles, you have to figure out better ways to be a straight shooter, like be a little bit more strategic. And this is one of my ways of just saying, let's get it together. Like, let's do something now, or y'all do something now. And let's work together to, to do this. So, um, it got people's attention. And if it doesn't make you feel some type of way, maybe you shouldn't, it didn't do anything, right? Um, and so it got to the emotions. And good. I would, mm -hmm. I would ask if you're willing to share a little bit about some of the resistance that you heard specifically from social workers, if they, if there was some. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of the, you know, feedback that I received there were some social workers um, and they were not necessarily members um, from different parts of Michigan saying, you know, hey, we have never uh, discriminated against uh, black individuals. I work in a hospital, right? I've, I've never discriminated. And we know just like from data, from facts, from lived experiences that especially African-Americans Black individuals, um, they do experience um, an inequitable system when going into the hospital uh, for various reasons. So I think that people read it and some received it and some saw it from their worldview, their perspective. And, and that's what people do, right? Um, 
And so I received some stuff like that. There were um, some folks who were not members, right? Uh, who read it in newspapers, who gave me phone calls. There was this weird like spam trolling stuff on Facebook where uh, someone had took a picture of the article with my face on it and was, you know, just writing some of the nastiest comments. So it was, um, it was interesting for my organization because they had never experienced something like this, especially for a black person, right? A black woman. And especially during this moment of time, uh, how, you know, scary that could be. So we had put in place a, a lot of different ways to not only support me, but also to like protect me. And so um, there was a moment in time where like, I'm like, I didn't, I'm not answering my phone. We're not working from home. So all calls are coming into my cell phone and I have to return some of those calls, right? And so if you didn't leave me a voicemail to say you were a member, then I can't communicate with you because I can't risk returning a call and it being on my cell phone to someone who's not a member and who wants to continue to uh, leave hate voicemails or and things of that sort. So it happens. Um, and I think it happens when you're really doing the work you suppo you're supposed to be doing. Definitely. And on the other side of that, for, for folks who do support what you're putting out there, I mean, obviously you've, you've put yourself out there now as a thought leader we're looking forward to hearing more from you, you know, more calls to action, more insights that people might not be getting from the field. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to, to doing more of that. Um, I, I just, that day I was sitting down after work, you know how sometimes you're just like angry and enraged, right? You see all this stuff going on, whether it's out in America or in, in the workplace or wherever you are. And I had an adult beverage and I was like, let me just hammer this out. <laughs> so that's what I did. And so we'll see um, what else comes. So let's, let's transition a little bit and talk about the future. Um, let's talk about the alleged new normal. I'm, I'm currently working on a piece where I talk about how I hate the whole concept, but I think it's important that we understand that the future needs to change. It needs to look different. And so I'm asking you, what do you think the future of social work needs to look like? Yeah, that is such a, a complex question. Um, the field of social work, what I would love to see embraced, right, is a more diverse field. Um, when the field is more diverse, it's more ethical. And so changes I hope to see um, are changes around our ASWB exam um, so that we know that um, there are more social workers with, are more students you know, trying to become social workers who have these lived experiences and you know, uh, beyond just our textbook knowledge, uh, skills and abilities who can pass our ASWB exam, who can become licensed if they choose to become licensed, that we as a field continue to embrace um, MSWs, at, which we do um, under our membership, 
but I think diversity is very is very important. Lived experience is very important because when you have both um, working with our populations, um, we're able to really accomplish more. So those are that's one of the areas that I would hope that the future of social work looks like. The second area I would really love to see is social work in MSW's licensed social workers being in more spaces beyond the social work field. Um, I think probably similar to many other professions, we tend to stay siloed. And, you know, I'm even, you know, um, I experienced the same thing. Like sometimes we live in these bubbles, right? And we're like, oh, I can't believe that someone doesn't get this. Like, how do you not get racism? Or how do you not get um, ableism and things of that sort? Sure. But, <laughs> right, it's like, what? Um, but other fields don't get that, right? And so we need to be able to take our experiences and our education and our knowledge of ecosystems and systems change into these other spaces and places um, that want to get it, that kind of get it, but don't understand it. So um, an area that, you know, I think, or a couple of areas that I think is really important, right, is like corporate sectors. There are so many corporate jobs who now they want to focus on social responsibility. Well, what does that really look like? Who do you really have leading that? Do you have somebody that really understands that beyond just a, a business model? Um, social impact investing. Are you really trying to invest in the community in the best way? Or does those investments sometimes look like gentrification or you know, money in the hands of venture capitalists who already have enough money? Um, so social workers need to be in other spaces. Um, social workers need to continue to collaborate with other professions and continue to grow our field in a more diverse way. Um, I want social workers to continue to be in the public policy space. <laughs> I think I tweeted earlier this week, like, you know, Clubhouse is this new, uh, amazing, if you ask me, social media platform. And I get into all these policy rooms and, you know, with other lobbyists and other folks who are in the public policy sector. And there's so many JDs, not hating on the lawyers, not hating on anybody with a JD. There's social workers out there with both. Um, but we need more social workers in lobbyist roles. Um, and even in this capacity, when I, when I go to the Capitol or, or meet with legislators or whatever, I know of one MSW, who's another lobbyist at a multi-client firm. Um, there may be a few others out there, but even looking at the legislature, there's not many. So we need uh, more and more into those spaces. We, we will agree to disagree on Clubhouse, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> gotta get in the right groups. You gotta get in the right groups. I did get in the, the one of the last ones you pinged me in, and that one was better. I think just the fact that everybody wants to be a coach or influencer just really mm -hmm. depends on. And yeah, that's just yeah. what I see as soon as I log in. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can get that for sure. So it sounds like a lot of the transformation that we need to see in the profession is gonna come through some internal work and also some, some advocacy. And so I'm curious as to what role do you play in that solution? Yeah, I mean, I think, initially right it's 
just me being myself, me continuing to speak on things that I think is important within the field, um, whether it's racial justice, whether it's social workers and public policy and other spaces. But um, the other important thing or the way in which I really see myself helping to um, amplify these spaces and roles is really through the work that I do, especially at NESW Michigan, where we bring in, you know, campaign school for social workers, where we're training social workers and social work students to run for public policy, where we engage social workers in our work groups, such as our legislative and social policy committee or into our PAC, our, our PAC work groups, but even into everything that we do conference-wise, right? Um, so I'm responsible for our lead conference, which is our Legislative Education Advocacy Day conference. And it happens every year, and it's typically for incoming professionals, students and incoming professionals. And the first year that I came into this role, it was kind of like already set up for me. I could, you know, I'm new on the role, so hey, this is kind of how it goes typically. And if you want to bring in some folks, bring in some folks, but you know, this is kind of how it, it typically goes. This is what we typically do. And so um, me being me, I'm like, I want to invite X, Y, and Z next time. And so thankfully this year, because of COVID, we were able to do like a virtual lead. And we had some amazing, amazing speakers speaking on, um, you know, the wealth gap and inequality and um, between, you know, white income and black income and um, in communities of color. And we talked about issues around, um, you know, the child protective system and abolition from everything from defund the police to, um, you know, a multitude of, of areas. And then we also talked about social workers and philanthropy um, and so I really truly believe that continuing to, to put out content information around those areas can really help influence the field. Um, and then I also work uh, pretty heavily with our national office uh, around racial justice um, issues. After everything that occurred, a, a few states came together because like, I'm sure you saw in Michigan, um, there were people with nooses, right? Uh -huh. On the Capitol and in Kentucky, like, um, which Kentucky is Kentucky <laughs> for, sorry, Kentucky folks. But I've, um, you know, I did some work in Kentucky being from Cincinnati, but um, yeah, so it was all these like, you know, domestic terrorism, risings and so we came together and said hey let's meet let's try to brainstorm let's try to figure this out um at least for our states and then it, it came to this this situation where we're like oh we all need to be focusing on this and so uh, i help uh you know steer that on the steering committee and um now i'm a part of our legislative subcommittee focusing on specifically like racial injustice issues not only from a legislative standpoint but we're also looking at the field and so continuing to do the work that I think is needed is how I'm trying to play a role in these solutions and, you know, seek other like-minded, amazing people like yourself who um, are also solution focused. So 
that's how I see myself continuing to to work towards solutions. Appreciate the subtle nod there. I um <laughs> I would say I have not been active with NASW until this past year. And I don't know if it was something you tweeted or something I, I saw that you posted. I'm like, yeah, let me go ahead and stop being a renegade social worker. <laughs> and just the caliber of the events that I've seen over the past year, completely different from what I remember as like a graduate student. Mm-hmm. Like it's not just these clinical discussions. Like we're really, and I say we, I'm referring to the state of Michigan, pushing the envelope when it comes to what social work means and really reinviting folks to think about the role of social workers when it comes to social justice. I think it's the, the forgotten ethics, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I will say um, we have an amazing national um, staff member, Mel Wilson, I, I have to shout him out, who has been our social justice and human rights manager um, over the past couple of years and his heart and soul is in social justice and he really brought that back to the forefront like hey we're focusing a lot on clinical things but we need to amp up this advocacy and social justice space and when I met him we were just like you know like past past I don't know what you call it kin folks or something I don't know and we got to work together and we did a social justice brief and really inspired me to think about uh, what we need to be doing here in Michigan. So um, I have the freedom, thanks to our executive director, to just make this role however I want to make it. So that's what I've been doing. So I'm glad to see that you like the content. <laughs> we're, we're, I'll speak for myself then. I'm grateful for it. I'm sure there are others who, who want more individual, you know, let's just talk about SUD supervision every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No shade to them though. We'll do it both. Because <laughs> yeah, both are both are necessary. Yeah. What's something that you want to leave the listeners with when it comes to you know social work, how they can be better social workers for those who are listening, or just how to create a better, more just society? Hmm. I know that's like a whole episode in itself. Yeah. Um... I always believe that when you enter a room, if you feel intuitively that something isn't right or something needs to be said, you need to say it. Um, You're not necessarily speaking up for other individuals, um, but we understand that some people do. Um, But sometimes you're also like passing the mag to somebody else, right? Um, and you really need, need, need to speak up. I can't tell you how many rooms I go into and everybody is thinking something but not saying it. So let's say it, let's, let's get this elephant out the room. So um, that's something I believe and you can do it however you wanna do it. I take a, a interesting approach to how I, how I say things, but that's, that's one space. Um, And social work and the work that we do is not easy. It's certainly a long-term game. And so understanding that within your lifetime as a social worker, you may not change everything that you wanna change, but while you're in it, you're making things better for the next generation of social workers. 
And you can't do that unless you really are giving your all to it. And remembering that everything you do is urgent. Every issue is urgent. Um, so don't be apathetic, right? Um, and so, yeah, that's what I would like to encourage people who are in the field and those who are looking towards social work, you're looking to it for a, a reason. So it must be your calling. So the streets want to know, how do you go about doing it? Because you said you do it in an interesting way. <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> so I know there are a lot of social workers out there who are people in general, who's like, F, F you know, um, responsibility politics and tone policing. And I completely understand that. I completely get that. Um, and I completely feel that. Uh, but I always say, read the room and make sure your voice is heard. And um, some people may not be able to receive what you put out there um, if it's put out there in a way in which they don't really understand it. Um, and so I think no matter how your tone comes out, if you are just thinking and speaking in the way in which they understand, it'll be received. Sometimes, not all the time, and I'm sure you have some experience with that as well. But really being able to try to, to speak that language, um, to, to get it out there. And so I always try and read the room, who's in the room, because there's so many different topics that we cover, and some of it is so complex. Uh, the mental health system, right? And so I'm in a room, I'm reading the room, I'm looking at who's in the room. Um, okay, I'm the only Black female, got it, great. <laughs> Uh, this person is saying this thing, this person is saying that, this person is speaking the most. If I don't understand something, let me ask this question in a way in which it gets you to thinking more about the population that you're really supposed to be serving. And why are we constantly, you know, not listening to the people we need to serve? So yeah, just typical social work stuff, right? You ask the question and in the way that gets people or gets you the answer that that you want to hear yeah i was going to say this this sounds like every day right where you walk into these spaces where you might be the only person of color or you might be the only woman or in my case mm -hmm. it's often i'm the only black man in the room and i don't mm -hmm. i don't take my power or privilege lightly mm -hmm. i often find myself it is a moral obligation for me to speak up Mm -hmm. It's yeah, you have to, right? Yeah. It's a lot of it's power in this role. It's a lot of weight in these type of roles. Um, but you have to do it. And yeah. you have to do it in a way where if you walk away from the roles that you're in for whatever reason, you make it easier for someone else um, of color or of, you know, the same gender or whatever you want to consider to be able to step into this role, to be able to continue the work that is needed so strategy <laughs> strategy it, it really is i still write out who's in the room when i get in there and kind of position like where they're sitting so i mm -hmm. can identify like who my who my ally in the room is mm -hmm. i remember we were in the same room like i think when i first came into this role i'm like okay he's the only one i'm the only one. Oh, okay one other person <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So Algeria, I truly appreciate the time. How can people keep up with you, keep up with NASW and some of the things that you all are advocating for? Yeah, absolutely. Um, first, check out our website, 
which is nasw-michigan.org. On there, you can find ways to contact us. Um, you can keep up with us via social media. We have a Facebook and a Twitter account, Instagram as well, all NASWMI. And then for myself, I often tweet out uh, policy-related tweets, and that's at Algeria Wilson for my Twitter. And I'm also going to make sure that I link the article on Black Death in the podcast description so people can get a chance to read that as well. Don't send any hate messages or hate calls. Read it, sit with your discomfort, and think about why you feel uncomfortable about the things that you're reading. Absolutely. Please no, no more hate calls. <laughs> Just receive it. <laughs> well, thank you, Algeria. And I'm sure we'll be crossing paths soon, maybe virtually because we can't go outside, but that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, for having me. I really appreciate it. All right, y'all. We have wrapped up another month of Equity Matters podcast, and we covered so much in the month of March. I mean, three episodes, one community of practice episode. That's a lot. And so what we're going to do in the month of April is I'm going to take a little break. As in the first week in April, no content, no episode, just going to fall back for a minute, get my mind right, and I'll be back swinging harder than ever shortly thereafter. I want to thank Algeria again for joining us on the episode. I think having black women in these spaces, just doing what black women do is a necessity. And I'm grateful, as I mentioned in the intro, just for her fellowship and just her thought partnership on how do we make the world a place better for our children, our children's children and so forth. And so as we wrap up today's episode, I want you to be mindful of the ways that you can take a stand, whatever the policy issue is that is impacting your community or impacting your population of interest. Take a stand, put out an opinion editorial, write up a medium article, start a podcast if that's your thing. We all have our call to action. We all have our lanes that we thrive in. Find yours, take a stand and let people know how do we function in your space? As always, you can follow us on Instagram. That is at Equity Matters Podcast. Shout out to everybody following us over there because we're very close to a thousand followers. So if you're hearing this and you're not following us, do us a favor. Go to Instagram at Equity Matters Podcast. Join the movement. Much appreciated. We're also on Twitter. That is at Equity Matters PC. Same thing there. Growing, growing network of community. Much appreciated to be in dialogue with you all. I wish I was better about Twitter. I use it for my own personal page, so I need to I need to step it up. And so as I prepare to take this little break, I hope that you all stay safe, stay well, and always remember that equity matters. <laughs>